Hey, what's up, you guys? I'm Andrea. And I'm Haley. And you're listening to Inhuman, a true crime podcast. So before we jump into today's episode, we just want to remind you guys, in case you missed our bonus episode from... Last week. We don't know what day, do we? Last week. <laughs> um, our merch is dropping tomorrow. Tomorrow! We are so excited. Um, so stay tuned for that. So it'll be on 2-22-22. On Tuesday, 2 <laughs> On Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so if you missed that announcement, here we are to remind you again. We are very excited about it. It is chef's kiss. It's, yeah. All of the good things. We, we're very excited and we have a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, we're going to post a bunch of it over on our Instagram. So if you need to like, if you want to see it before uh, tomorrow when it goes live, you can you can check out our Instagram and it'll all be on our website in humanpodcast.com. And yeah, we're really excited to rock it and we hope that you guys like it. Yeah, there's like literally something for like everyone. So yeah. Yeah. So we just wanted to remind you guys about that. Um, do we have any other announcements or updates? I don't think, so. I, don't think no. I have any updates. I was thinking there's not really any like huge true crime news right now. So yeah. Yeah. Which is like, I mean, there's always true crime news, thing, but yeah, yeah. Well, no, there is that one thing. Well, I don't know if you want to talk about it now or if you wanted to talk about it on your episode, the little girl that oh, was found. Oh, yeah, we can talk about that. Um, if you guys haven't heard, a little girl named Paisley Schultes was found after being missing for two years. So she was um, in July 2019. She was reported missing by well i don't know who she was reported missing by but she was four years old at the time and she hadn't been seen since and on valentine's day police went and searched a home where they had like received a tip that she was and the homeowner was literally said no i don't know where she is but that but they had a search warrant so they went and searched and after an hour of searching the house they found her in basically this like little hidden room under the staircase like a Harry Potter type yeah, room under the stairs. Yeah. But like 20,000 times worse. Yeah. And then they found her biological parents, Kimberly Cooper and Kirk Schultes Jr. Also hiding down there. And they did not have custody of her when she went missing or now, obviously. Um, so yeah, that kind of tells you. We don't know all of the details, but they have been arrested. But I also heard that they were then released on bail. So that's wonderful. Um, but either mm. way, Paisley was taken to the hospital and appears to be physically okay and healthy. And yeah. she was released into the custody of her sister. So it's just crazy. Some people had heard about her disappearance and some hadn't, but it's literally been over two years since she was, since she went missing and she was found alive and, you know, hopefully is going to be able to recover. And a lot of people are saying they hope that she didn't really realize like 
that she was what was going on yeah because like hopefully her biological parents were treating her right and like i don't think she was like living in that room i think she was only there when the like to hide if like the police came or other people came so hopefully she doesn't have like too too much trauma of like something that happened to her but but yeah it was really good to see like good happy news yeah i agree and i I can't wait to hear like more of the story because yeah it sounds like her parents were like not not great so i'm wondering like who reported her missing and what the the whole situation was but Yeah. yeah we'll definitely update you guys um if we hear updates but we always like post about this type of stuff on our instagram so if you want to like follow us over there that way you can see it and that's uh we're inhuman underscore podcast so yes okay so that was a little bit of news for you guys so we'll just go ahead and dive into this week's case so i'm going going to be covering misty copsy and i don't think i know this one okay it's it's not like it's not like a super crazy like whoa what in the world kind of case but there are some details in it that are kind of like jarring and um like very interesting i guess you could say okay um and it has i mean it's been let's see trying to do math in my head my brain's not (laughs) working it's been like over 20 I cannot do math right now. I'm so sorry. She went missing in 1992. So it's like... 20 years. This year would be... 20 years. years. Yeah. 30 years. 30 years this year. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was having a problem with. I was like trying to... (laughs) Yeah. I was like, well, 92... Yeah. Don't worry. Mental math is 30 years. Yeah. It will be 30 years this year. So it's been... Wow. Okay. It's been some time. So... Okay. So, Misty Copsey was born on March 10th, 1978, to Diana Smith and Buck Copsey, who were, at the time, separated. And they would eventually divorce just months after Misty was born. Okay. So, Misty spent the majority of her time with her mother, Diana, and Diana was her primary guardian. I couldn't find a lot of details about the dad, um, so I don't know if he was, like, in her life or if he kind of just you know, went and did his own thing and lived his own life. Um, but there was like really not many details at all as to their dynamic um, after the parents split. So Misty would go on to be an excellent student and she spent most of her free time playing softball, basketball, and volleyball, and still managed to keep up a B average at school. That's impressive. Yeah, that is impressive. (laughs) She was fairly popular, and all of her friends and loved ones spoke about how charismatic and goofy Misty was. Her closest friend um, was Trina Bavard, and the two of them, they were so close that they had actually given each other nicknames, <laughs> which, it, like, reminds me of, like, me and my friends, like, yeah, that's especially, so like, sweet. middle high school. <laughs> yeah. So Trina called, or um, Misty called Trina Bean, and then Misty's nickname was Bunyan. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so cute. Yeah. So they had like they were like besties and they had little nicknames for each other. Aw. Misty was the kind of person that everyone seemed to love. Like no enemies. Everybody wanted to be her friend. And it wasn't just because she was popular and like, you know, did sports, but she was just a very genuine, kind person. And she was definitely the kind of person you wanted to have as a close friend. 
and have in your corner. Okay. So, as I mentioned before, Misty grew up with her mother, Diana, and the two of them lived in Tacoma, Washington. And they were living in a mobile home park called Green Meadows. But Diana wanted Misty to have a better home and a better, like, neighborhood than the trailer park that they shared, um, or the trailer that they shared. And they eventually moved into a duplex in Spanaway in 1992, which is like a neighboring suburb right on South Hill in Washington. Okay. So at that time, Diana was working as a caregiver to an elderly person. And she typically worked evenings. Um, so often Misty would be, you know, left alone right. in the evening time, which, I mean, she was 14, so not, not a big deal. And yeah. it was the early 90s. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of, I feel like 14 know. is like about the age I used to kind of like start staying home alone. I mean, maybe yeah, not same. all night. Yeah. I don't think she worked all night. I just think she worked like evening into the, like, okay. you know, maybe like 10 or so. Yeah. All right. And there was actually an incident sometime the this summer, that summer, that um, Diana couldn't track down Misty and she filed a missing persons report. Oh, okay. Yeah. So... Eventually, Misty showed up. She was in her bedroom, and they later summed it up as just a situation of miscommunication. But Diana never called and canceled the missing persons report on her daughter. She was kind of, like, embarrassed, I guess. Um, So that report was left open. All right. Yeah, so keep that in mind because that will come into play later. Okay. So, on September 17th, 1992, Diana was going to work that evening, and Misty convinced her mother to let her and her best friend, Trina, go to the Pewallop Fair, which was, um, like, a neighboring town, and they always had, like, you know, in the fall time, a lot of um, cities and counties have, like, their big county fair. Right. So, this was that situation. So, Diana agreed to let the girls go alone, um... But she told Misty that she had to work, so she would have to find a ride. Either she would have to ride home with a friend, or she would have to catch the bus. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. And it, again, early 90s, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Things are a lot different. <laughs> Not that I would know, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Misty was actually familiar with riding the bus, so this was really no big deal for her. So she checked this, the bus schedule, and she told her mother, yes, there would be a bus leaving around 8.40 that night, and she would catch that bus home. Okay. So the girls went to the fair that day. It's reportedly that, or it's reported that they went, like, earlier in the day, so they would have, like, several hours to just kind of do everything yeah. that they wanted to do, and that they had, like, a really good time. But unfortunately, due to that fun that they were having they ended up missing that last bus at 8 40 oh that's not good yeah so trina who lived pretty close to the fairgrounds she decided that she was just gonna walk home because it wasn't too far okay but misty on the other hand wasn't so sure what she should do so she called her mother and she asked like was there any way you know you can come pick me up and her mother was like, no, I can't leave work. And she was pretty upset because, you know, they had talked about it. And M- Misty knew that she was supposed to make arrangements. Right. And this isn't like today where you could just call an Uber. Like, how right. are you going to get home? 
exactly. And you had to like use a payphone and all of that, you know, all that stuff. So she was like, you're going to have to call around, try to catch a ride, call your friends, call, you know, your cousin, whoever. So Misty was like, okay, well, maybe I'll just get a ride with Ruben Schmidt, who was one of Misty's friends from her old neighborhood at the trailer park. But like um, an adult? He was he was 18 years old. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So he's, you know, four years older than Misty. He's technically an adult. Misty's mother didn't really care for Ruben. Um, she just, something about him, she just did not trust. And she actually told Misty, I would prefer you to find someone else to get a ride from. And she told her to call her as soon as she had everything worked out. Okay. But unfortunately, that call never came. No. So, Misty eventually decided to walk home. And it was about eight miles to her house. So, pretty significant, you know, walk home. That's, yeah, a long walk home. And what time is it by this point? It's, it's like, well... An eyewitness saw her at 10 p.m. in downtown Puyallup. Okay. So it was anywhere from 8.30 right. to 10 p.m. Okay. So, like, it's dark or out. 8.40. Like, yeah. yeah. So they missed the missed the bus. So, yeah. And it's September. So it probably was, like, sundown, but definitely getting into those darker hours. Right. So, like I said, someone did witness her walking about 10 p.m. Um, and she never arrived home that evening and has never been seen again. No. So when Diana came home after her shift, she discovered Misty was not there and she immediately began uh, began calling friends and family. You know, she called Trina to see if, you know, she had, if Misty was there or if she had found out if anyone had given her a ride. She even called Ruben. Um, just because she knew that that was a, you know, something that Misty was considering. Yeah. And he told her, like, yes, Misty had called him for a ride, but that he didn't have enough gas to go and pick her up. Okay. So, Diana called the police to report her 14-year-old daughter missing. Now, if you recall the incident I explained briefly earlier, you'll remember that technically Diana had already reported Misty missing. Oh, shit. And never canceled that report. So the police told her she had to wait 30 days. Excuse me? To report me? her daughter missing. No. Yeah. Like, I get she messed up by not closing out that report. But just because of that doesn't mean this girl isn't missing. Like. Right. And you get caught up. Like, if you are if you think your kid's missing, you're you're all upset. And then you find out, okay, they're, they're actually home safely. Like, everything is good. I could see how that would slip someone's mind. I mean, obviously, you know, some reports said that she was, like, embarrassed and didn't want to call back and cancel it. Right. So, she decided the following morning to kind of take things into her own hands, and she started searching the area for Misty. After having no luck, she just decided to go down to the sheriff's department and just basically beg them to do something oh my god that's so sad so there they actually told her that the information that she was told the night before about having to wait the 30 days was not technically true it was i guess it was a dispatcher that she spoke to not an actual investigator um 
that she could report her daughter missing, but she would still have to wait 30 days before investigators would take on her case because until then, Misty would be considered a runaway. I hate that. I hate that. Yeah. I don't know why that's their go-to. Like, it like it should be the opposite. I mean, the go-to <laughs> should be that your child's missing and then you determine, oh, it's just a runaway. I mean, they've proven time and time again the first 48 hours are the most critical. Right. In any case, especially like a, a, child, a child missing. Yeah. A 13-year-old is not going to run away that easily. Yeah. Or 14. Yeah, 14. But it just, I mean, we've talked about this literally from the start of our podcast with, like, yeah. when those girls went missing. They are not runaways. Their parents know. Especially in this scenario when she was supposed, like, she was speaking to her mother. She was trying to get home. Yeah. It's not yeah. like she just, like, left the house and wasn't seen. Like, she was clearly trying to get home. Yeah. Yeah. And she was a good kid. I mean, I know good kids screw up sometimes, but, like, it just doesn't make sense that she would be running away. There's no. just no reason for it. So, according to the thecharlieproject.org, one of Misty's female classmates claimed Misty called her after her disappearance and said she was okay. And then another classmate, who was also um, a girl that she went to school with, said that she saw Misty on September 21st, so just a few days after she was reported missing. Oh. So, of course, this further led police to think Misty was, in fact, a runaway and that she was fine. Right. So, back to the following day, Trina, Misty's best friend, had called Diana after, you know, she went to school that day because Diana had left a note for her to call her ASAP. Trina confirmed the story that was told to Diana about Misty. She had, you know, tried to get a ride home, even from Reuben, but was unable to do so. So she decided to walk home. Diana then again called Reuben just to kind of re-verify his accounts of that evening again. Because, like I mentioned, she did not trust this young man and... She wanted to just kind of get his story again to see if anything had changed or if he had remembered something magically. Right. But he wasn't home, and she actually got to talk to his roommate, James. So James claimed that Reuben actually did go and pick up Misty that evening with his uncle, that he had overheard them talking, and that they were going to go pick her up. Okay. But Reuben would later deny these accusations saying that him and his uncle actually just went to a party and that, I guess, Misty was too far for them to drive and that they had already plans, already had plans to go to this party. Okay. It also came out that Misty's friend Trina lied about the events of that night. She herself did not actually walk home oh. from the fair. She had gotten a ride from her 23-year-old boyfriend, Michael Reiner. Oh, okay. That's not good. So she's, I'm assuming, you know, 14, 15, and she's got a 23-year-old boyfriend. Mm-hmm. That's not good. Trina stated that she had asked Misty if she wanted a ride from Michael, but Misty did not care for Michael and refused the ride. One of the reasons I assume that Misty did not care for Michael is that he had previously been accused of abducting and raping an 11-year-old girl at knife point when he was 16 years old. 
Oh my god. But no charges were ever filed, and I guess the case was dropped. So, yeah. Yeah. So finally, in December of 1992, so this would be just a couple of months later, police open, opened officially opened an investigation, and they started to believe maybe Misty did meet with foul play, as opposed to being a runaway. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Took you long <sighs> enough. Jeez. Yeah. So the police began canvassing the area around the fairgrounds. They were questioning people who lived in the area, asking if anyone had seen Misty that evening. They also began investigating Diana, which is Misty's mother. Oh. Which I, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess, you know, they have to start in the smaller circle and then work their way out. Right. But I think it was more due to the fact that um, evidently Diana hadn't always had, you know, the best luck and hadn't always been on her best behavior. Mm, she had allegedly mm-hmm. had some issues with alcoholism and had gotten a couple of DUIs. Okay. And she had a prior conviction for welfare fraud. Okay, so that definitely, I don't blame them for, I mean, looking into her. It's a little bit of a red flag. Yeah. 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 Plus, at this time, they uncovered that other older missing persons report that had been filed when Diana thought Misty had gone missing. Right. I, I mean, like, it makes sense. It sucks that they have to do that, but, like, it makes sense. Gotta rule everyone out. Yeah. I get it. I would want them to, like, if something crazy ever happened, like, I would want them to, you know, rule everyone out. So, yeah, I I get it. Police also began questioning students from Misty's school, and it did later come out that the girl who claimed to have seen Misty on September 21st was actually lying. (sighs) So, she stated that she wanted to be involved in the case, so she lied to basically just be included. That's so annoying. Oh my goodness, people. I was like, if this doesn't... It's like, tell me you're in junior high without telling me you're in junior high. Yeah. Drama, attention. I mean, this is extreme, obviously, but yeah. Jeez, okay. So after all of their efforts, unfortunately, police were unable to gather any other significant evidence from these questionings. So they didn't have a lot to go on, you know? Yeah. However, on February 7th, 1993, so this would be about, what, five, six months after she went missing, a small private search party discovered the underwear, the jeans, the shoes, and one of the socks that Misty had been wearing the evening she went missing. No. The clothes were covered in mud and rolled up in a ditch near the intersection of State Highway 410 and Waco Road near the Mud Mountain Dam area. They had very clearly been exposed to the elements for quite some time, but laboratory analysis was able to determine that no blood or semen was on the clothing. Okay, that's a positive. But they did find three red paint chips on her jeans okay then on february 20th so just a you know a few days later misty's hair pick and toothbrush were located approximately half a mile from where her clothes had been recovered and she was known to carry her pick and her toothbrush in her purse at the time of her disappearance okay 
During the investigation, a man by the name of Corey Bobber had reached out to Diana, claiming that he wanted to help her solve her daughter's disappearance. Corey was, like, mega super invested in the Green River Killer. Oh. Which, if you don't know about him, he's a serial killer and rapist known for killing numerous girls and women in the um, 1980s in the Washington area. And many of his victims were, were like, um, sex workers, but that was not always the case. So he believed that Misty's disappearance was related to the Green River Killer and was related to the still unsolved murders of two teenage girls, Kimberly DeLang, who was 15, and Anna Chabotnoy, who was 14. Wow, and okay. that they were all connected to the Green River Killer case. Huh. So Kimberly had disappeared in 1988, and her body was found later that year. Anna vanished in 1990, and her remains were found in 1991. Okay. Both of these teen girls were from the area that Misty lived. They were killed two years and one month apart from one another, which would have also been in the time frame that Misty went missing. Oh, okay. And their bodies were found within 100 feet of one another, also very close to where Misty's belongings were found. Okay. And there was one report that I read where he was actually the person who led them to that area, and then they found her clothing. Okay. Interesting. (sighs) Yeah. So even though Corey was obviously trying to help in the investigation, of course, he definitely hit on police's radar, Mm -hmm. because, you know, he kind of knew a lot of things, and led them to things and that's always worth looking into yep um however he was not considered and still is not considered a serious suspect he had a partial alibi for the night misty went missing and he had no previous charges aside from a drug charge that he didn't get until after misty had gone missing okay he also was allegedly agoraphobic and did not drive so If you don't know what agoraphobic is, it just means you don't like to leave your house. So he kind of had these things working in his favor, favor, and he also passed the polygraph test, which, you know, we know is relative, but still he passed it. Okay. So police decided at this time to investigate Reuben Schmidt. Okay. If you remember Mm -hmm. old Reuben. Mm -hmm. Um, They had kind of questioned him, you know, back at the time of her disappearance, but didn't really have him as a suspect he was just i guess a person of witness or person of interest at that time right but he had had some recent suspicious behavior Uh oh first of all he allegedly had a major crush crush on misty who did not return those feelings oh no and his alibi for the night misty vanished was extremely inconsistent that's not good that's never good Later, he evidently made comments stating that he knew where, um, like, knew the location of Misty's body, which just so happened to be near his grandmother's farm, where he told police he was the morning after Misty disappeared. 
which was six miles from the ditch where her clothing was located. All right. That's looking compelling. Yeah. But he later denied this and stated that he made those comments to, quote, get others off of his back. What? Why would that get people off of your back? Like, no. Get them on your back, wouldn't it? Yeah. (laughs) He also took a polygraph test, which he passed. And I guess he took one at the time of her disappearance, and he didn't do so hot on that one. But this one he did pass, so. I I hate polygraph tests in like in the the Austin yogurt shop murders, there were so many like polygraph pass or polygraph test pass. Okay, you're good. Like, yep. I don't think that they are good either way. They're like, not. No. Yeah, they're not. I mean, they can be. I guess they can be like leading if someone's guilty, but they're not always. Yeah. Maybe you're a good liar, or maybe you're just a terrible. You have anxiety. Like, yeah, I feel like that's I what I was gonna say. Would fail one. I would a hundred percent fail a polygraph test. Like. There's no question, and so I don't take either result as, like, definitive at all. No. No, I don't either. Another suspect in Misty's case was Robert Leslie Hickey. Hickey was an, an, ugh, Hickey was an abduction rapist who was convicted of kidnapping and raping a 15-year-old girl in Puyallup in 1993, so not long at all after Misty vanished. Yeah. After he was released from prison, he attempted to rape another young woman and, thank God, was sentenced to life without parole. Okay. That's good, at least. At the time of Misty's disappearance, he drove a red Camaro. Oh. So, it is possible that the red paint chips that were discovered on Misty Misty's jeans could have possibly came from that Camaro. However, those paint chips had since been lost. (gasps) Don't freaking lose evidence. How do you lose evidence? It should be in a room. It should be in a locker in a room. Like, no, there's no excuse. Fire. Yeah. Flooding or something like, but no, no, They, they were just lost. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it was also in one of the reports that I read um, while he was in prison, like police questioned him to ask him if he had anything to do with Misty's disappearance. And he did say, I had nothing to do with it. So I don't know. I mean, he was in prison. He didn't really have much to lose, but people still lie, you know? Yeah. Police even circled back to Michael Reiner, if you recall. Trina's boyfriend that dropped her off that evening. The 23-year-old? The 23-year-old, yes. And they said maybe he had gone back for Misty. Allegedly, there was an incident where Reiner hit on Misty in the past, and she wasn't having it. Okay. <laughs> um, But Trina told police that she doubted that that had happened, but ultimately, she didn't know for sure. Yeah. Reiner had dropped her off that you know, that evening at home, and then he left, so she couldn't vouch for him beyond that. He also, which this is kind of weird, he sold his car not long after Misty's disappearance, and unbeknownst to him, he actually sold it to an undercover police officer who took the vehicle in for DNA testing. But he was eventually cleared by police. Unfortunately, due to many dishonest witness accounts investigators waiting so long to begin an an investigation into Missy's disappearance. 
you know, dropping the yep. ball over and over, lost evidence. Uh, Misty's case is still unsolved to this day. So, like we said in the beginning, it'll be 30 years this September and no leads. They are still supposedly investigating it. It's, yes, it's a cold case, but they're still pursuing leads and, yeah. you know, all of the things. Wow. I mean, there's cases, like, we, when I covered April Tinsley's case, that was solved after 30 years. I mean, they had DNA, but yeah. still, you never know. Exactly. So, if you have any information regarding Misty's disappearance, please contact the Powallop Police Department at 253-841-5415. I'll put that in the show notes for you guys so it's easily accessible. And just like Haley was mentioning, hopefully with DNA testing being what it is today, investigators will be able to retest some of the clothing that they found um, of Misty's the, the day that she went missing. And she and her family will finally get the justice yeah, that they you deserve. you never know. You know, at least they have something to test, and you just never know. It could, like, yeah. have it. this could be one that um, hits on some sort of ancestry database or something like that. Exactly. They have, yeah, they have all of those articles of clothing, and there has to be, I mean, even though it was, like, you know, weathered and, you know, rain and everything like that, DNA sticks around in, you know, a lot of cases. I mean, they said there was no blood or no, like, no semen, but there's still still other DNA that could be tested. Yeah. So, I definitely think this is one of those cases that could for sure get solved and, and technology being better than it was in 1992. So, as always, make sure you guys are following us, following us over on Instagram at inhuman underscore podcast as well as um, Inhuman Podcasts on Facebook. We will be posting pictures of Misty. But, uh, yeah, so that's all that I have for you guys today as far as Misty's case goes. Um, Again, don't forget to follow us over on our socials, and don't forget about our merch merch dropping tomorrow. Also, if you have the time, we would love a rating and review from you guys. Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you listen, um, between those two, you can leave a rating and review. But yeah, that's all I have for you guys today. And until next time, keep it human. Bye.